What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I am flying solo on today's show because my regular co-host, Curtis, is on vacation. He's taking a couple of days off this week, but no worries. I will take care of you guys today with what I think, at least I hope, is going to be a pretty cool show. I'll tell you guys all about it here in just a moment, but first, I do just want to make sure to remind everyone that you can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. Uh, we have a mailbag show, our May, May mailbag show later this week, so make sure to send in any and all questions you have about the football team, you know, on-the-field stuff, recruiting, basketball even. has been a little bit of basketball stuff in the news here over the past week or so, and of course, we got baseball in postseason right now. So anything that's on your mind, let us know at Glory underscore UGA. Also, to make sure that everyone knows where you can find our show, you can, of course, find us on DollarSportsRadio.com, part of the larger V-Sport-O Internet Radio Network to be the first place to look. You can also download the uh, Dollar Sports Radio app straight to your smartphone, or if you prefer SoundCloud and iTunes, some of the bigger podcasting platforms out there, you can certainly find us there. You can also find us on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. And if you get a chance, we would sincerely appreciate if you guys to take a little time out of your day to give us a rating and review on whatever it is that you are, whatever platform it is that you do find us on. And we do appreciate everyone who has taken time out of the, out of their day to help us out. All right, today's show, uh, this is something I have not done before. Uh, you guys know if you listen to us throughout the season, I, I, we definitely pour over the tape from every game multiple times. And we do our reco- recap shows during the season. But Due to time limitations, we just never get a chance on those shows to go as deep as we would always like to. And I know that we all kind of have a sour taste in our mouth, of course, over how the 2018 season ended. I, for one, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, I'll never get over that. Even if we win one, I'm not sure I will ever get over what happened on January 8th, 2018. Uh, I just just don't know if I will. Um, I'm like thinking about it, I'm like talking about it here on the show. But I know... In reality, I've let that one game really kind of cloud my overall view of the 2017 season far too much. I really have over the past five to six months. Because the reality is, I mean, the 2017 season, guys, regardless of how it ended, was perhaps the most epic in program history, with the exception, of course, of maybe the 1980 season and their run to the national title with Herschel Walker as a true freshman. And it wasn't just that we won a lot of games and played for the national title. I mean, that was awesome, obviously, but it was more... More than that, it was the fact that along the way, we witnessed some of what I truly truly believe 10 to 20 years down the road are going to be viewed as some of the most iconic moments in Georgia football history. And maybe that's some recency bias. Probably is. I don't know. I'm not the oldest guy in the world. I'll go back to the, to the early mid-90s. But I truly believe if you look 10 to 20 years down the road, people are going to be talking, you know, uh, about the 2017 season as one of those seasons that was just truly iconic in Georgia history, some of those special moments. Now, speaking for myself here, I, I, I had the good fortune to go to every single game, and I, I know that they are moments that I will never forget, whether it was the red and black invasion of Notre Dame and the dramatic win there in South Bend that really kickstarted our 2017 season, or the historic beatdown of Tennessee in Knoxville, that was awesome, uh, or was the, the sweet revenge in the SEC title game over Auburn, and all the key plays that went along with that, and of course the Rose Bowl victory in Pasadena over Oklahoma. And that is the game that I want to spotlight today. Yes, we won the national title in 1980. And it's difficult to say any game in our history was bigger than that. And that's probably true. It really probably is. To be sure, I mean, there have been plenty of big moments in Georgia football history and plenty of contenders to be on that list of truly iconic games in our program's history. But, and this is just me, it's a personal thing, but I think a lot of you out there would probably agree, not all of you, I'm sure a lot of you, but agree that the Rose Bowl victory, with what was on the line, getting in the national title game there, being in the college football playoff, 
the rich history of that game as a granddaddy of them all and probably the most iconic game uh, every year in college football. The novelty of us playing in that game, the second time in history, the first time since the 1940s. Uh, then the flood of Georgia fans that attended. And then, of course, add all that together and just the epic game that it was, the game that, that went to double overtime, all of that combined to make that particular Rose Bowl game just one for the ages and and really perhaps one of the only games in our history that can truly rival that 1980 National Championship game. Regardless, we've had a ton of great games in our history. And there's no doubt we have. But I really think you have to put the 1980 National Championship game up there and that victory and then this Rose Bowl game. I, again, I don't go back as far as some of you guys out there probably do. But in, in my lifetime, I'd say that Rose Bowl game, at least in terms of games I've attended, and I've attended a lot over the past decade, uh, most of them actually the last decade, uh, I would say that's right up there at the very top. So with this being sort of a summer downtime on the calendar, with us anxiously waiting the start of the 2018 season, I thought it might be kind of cool uh, to go back and take one more look at last year's Rose Bowl game against Oklahoma, and this time take a really deep inside look at that game from an X's and O's standpoint. Also, use what happened in that game to kind of in- instruct us, provide some insight into what we can expect from certain players this coming season. Again, and maybe from, from a coaching perspective as well. And again, I know last season was last season. Of course it was. But given how epic that game was and how important I believe it will be to the future of our program and raising our national profile, I thought some of you might be interested in a detailed look of exactly how we came out with one of the biggest wins in program history. To be honest with you guys, I do not know how this is going to go. I'm not sure how well how well it's going to be received. I really have no idea. But it's something that I would that I would listen to. It's something that I would be interested in. That's kind of what we go on here. Is like we want to make a uh, a podcast that's uh, content that that we would want to listen that Curse and I would want to listen to. So I'm going to go with that instinct here, and uh, I figured why not give it a shot here in the summer. So without any further ado, here we go. We'll see how it goes. So we're going to start obviously in the first quarter. Duh. And we get the ball uh, coming out to start the game. So our first drive, Oklahoma, they come out with a heavy box and one deep safety. And that's kind of what we saw throughout most of you. That's not surprising. I'm sure it didn't surprise Jim Chaney and company. What that means is their corners are playing off when they have a heavy box because they don't have that much help over the top. You're playing one deep safety. you got to have your corners play off so they don't get beat deep. And this is what our offense is built to do. Teams have to overcompensate for our run game. And, and when they do... We take what they give us in the passing game. So in this particular case, on, on the first play of the game, they play off Javon Wims to start from, takes the easy quick hitch, then Wims breaks the cornerback tackle and goes for 21 yards in the first place. So it's off to a great start there. Looks solid from the get-go. Uh, now let's fast forward that same drive to third and seven on the next set of downs after that initial first down. Uh, Warner, Charlie Warner runs a delay, a tight end delay into the boundary flat. Now, there's no one open downfield. And from, you know, he goes through his progressions, doesn't see anyone down there downfield, doesn't want to force, so he looks to Warner. But he does kind of overthrow him just a tad. Uh, it probably would not have gotten the first down anyway as uh, Warner's going to have to be the safety to get to the chains of that particular play. From probably has a little bit of nerves, a little bit, a little bit of anxiety there, you know, the first uh, first drive there in this huge game, the semifinal playoff game. So he's a little over-anxious there. Ball flies on just a little bit. So we're forced to punt uh, on the first drive there after getting that initial first down to start the game. Now, let's look at Oklahoma's first drive here. Now, we come out very similar to what we did against Notre Dame and a lot of most other teams, really, throughout the year. But we saw this for the first time against Notre Dame. I was very surprised to see us try to handle a 
mobile quarterback in this way, but we start in our base defense, our base defense personnel, hoping that Lorenzo Carter's versatility can allow us to simultaneously be strong against the run, but also defend the pass well enough to Lorenzo's versatility. Uh, on first down, Jonathan Ledbetter explodes off the ball. He's hyped up, and he tackles uh, Rodney Anderson for no gain. Now, <laughs> we won't keep Anderson in check for much longer, but at least for one play, we kind of have him wrapped up there. Now, second and 10, uh, they line Oklahoma lines up there, kind of jack-of-all-trades, hybrid, fullback, tight end, H-back, tight end, whatever you want to call him, Demetri Flowers. They line them up at tight end. Uh, Reggie Carter completely whiffs on the jam. He, he notices Flowers there at tight end. He tries to jam him, but just for whatever reason, just completely whiffs on the jam. Flowers gets open. Uh, Mayfield, of course, doesn't miss him, hits him for a 16-yard gain. And what it was, if you really look closely at it, it was an RPO. As Mayfield... He fakes the sweep to Rodney Anderson. He puts the ball in Anderson's gut. The line is blocking run. Tells you it's an RPO, but he pulls the sweep to Anderson after he sees our linebackers flow hard to attack the run. Hits Dimitri Flowers there for a nice game. That's really what Oklahoma's offense is built to do. They just really keep you off balance. Kind of have those options built into every single play. Uh, Then on the next set of downs, first and 10, they hit their Mackey Award-winning tight end Mark Andrews for a first down, and then they tack on an additional 15 yards due to an illegal hands to the face call on Tyler Clark. Now, as you're going to see throughout the rest of this game, guys, Tyler Clark was a monster. And you guys saw the first time around, but as I'm going to go through this game, Tyler Clark was a beast in this game. But that's an undisciplined penalty. We And we, this is not the first time we had those last year. We had way too many of those defensive hands to the face masks last year. We have got to be more disciplined there. That can really cost you in big-time moments. So now they have it first and 10 at our 15. They are rolling. They run a screen to, into the boundary uh, to Anderson. But JRE comes flying up from his safety position to limit the play to a gain of two. JRE was a stud for us last year, guys. So he will be another guy that we're looking at a couple more times as we go through this game. Now we're still in our base defense here, or at least our base defensive personnel, second and eight from the 13 yard line. On second and eight, Oklahoma goes play action, and they find Hollywood Brown in the back right corner of the end zone wide open for a touchdown. I mean, way too easy of a play for them. And on this particular play, what really happened, if you take a closer look at it, is DeAndre Baker, uh, we failed to get a hand on Brown off the line. We did not get any jam on him whatsoever, and Dominic Sanders is just too slow to rotate over and make a play. Now, look, I looking at this from a, a perspective of who's going to be playing for us this year, comparing... You know, a guy like Richard LeCount is probably going to be filling in for Dominic Sanders this year at safety. I'm not going to sit here and say with 100% certainty that Richard LeCount makes that play if he's in that game. I, I cannot sit here and say for sure 100% that he's going to make that play. But what I will say is with his athleticism and his makeup speed, I have to believe there would have been a better than average chance that Richard LeCount does get there in time to make a play. At least he would have had a better opportunity to get there and make that play than Dominic Sanders would have had. Uh, with his particular skill set. So for all of you out there concerned about losing Sanders, which I totally understand because he is a veteran president there, a leader guy, was a four-year starter, played a lot of football for us. But for all of you le- concerned about us being able to replace Dominic Sanders, just keep that in mind there from an athletic standpoint. Regardless, though, each team has had its first possession, and it's 7 nothing Oklahoma. Not the best start, not what we, exactly what we were looking for coming out in this game. It's not, kind of, it's not the kind of team you want to fall behind with their ability to put points up on the board. We get the ball back. Our second drive of the game, on first and 10, we toss the ball to Nick Chubb into the boundary from a tight formation, one of Jim Cheney's kind of patented tight formations. And thanks to some outstanding perimeter blocking by multiple guys in this particular play, we get a nice solid game. Tyler Simmons absolutely decletes a guy on a crack. And really, anytime you see Tyler Simmons, or anytime last year you saw Tyler Simmons or... uh, 
Blunt, Trey Blunt in the game, that was a dead giveaway that we were going to run the football. And typically it was going to be a perimeter play because those guys were perimeter blockers and crackers. And Tyler Simmons on this play decleats a guy on a crack block. Isaiah Wynn pulls out wide and just destroys the cornerback. Jeb Blazevich pancakes his man. And all of that creates room for Nick Chubb to pick up 25 yards on first down. So yes, Oklahoma scores to go up 7-0, but we're going to try to get right back in this thing. Uh, on the next set of downs, there's not much doing on first down, so we'll move on to second and nine. We go with 12 personnel, which is one running back and two tight ends. We have one inline tight end and one tight end in the slot, and we run an outside zone play here. On this particular play, uh, Andrew Thomas, the true freshman right tackle, handles the demons of end, and Ben Cleveland... Redshirt freshman at guard there. Gets out front with Terry Godwin pancaking the cornerback. Sonny Michelle gets the carry. He's able to find a crease with that block, and he bursts through it for another 23 yards. That's two back-to-back run plays. you got to combine 48 yards on those two plays. And this is really a perfect example of how well our wide receivers blocked all year. And Terry Godwin's a guy who really struggled with that in 2016 and lost some playing time because of it. Terry, or, uh, Kirby Smart had no bones about that in 2016. But that is one area. I have to give Terry Godwin some credit here. He dramatically improved that area in 2017. He responded like a champion and was much better in that regard in 2017. That was on full display there on that particular play. Uh, next set of downs, again, not much doing on first down. On second down, Jake Fromm fits the ball into a very tight window to Javon Wims running a deep hook off of play action to get us inside the 15-yard line. And for some of you guys who are concerned about Jake Fromm's arm strength, that type of throw right there is trying to dispel some of those concerns. He fit that ball into a very tight window for a nice nice gain off play action inside the 15-yard line. On the next play, first and 10 from the 13-yard line, we send Miko Harbin in flat motion left to right from the boundary to the field. The cornerback follows Miko, which what, what that tells us is that they are a man coverage. If the guy doesn't follow Miko, they're in some sort of zone look. But he's got Miko, so he's got to cover him across the formation. After we send Miko in motion, Javon Wims is left on the left of the boundary on his own. But he runs around the end zone, completely clearing out the left side. So we've got Miko cleared out one defender when he goes in motion. You run Javon Wims deep to clear out that left side. Then we go play action from under center. We fake the ball to Sonny Michelle, who then sneaks out into space, into the boundary, cleared out by Miko's motion in Wims' deep route. Fromm puts the ball on his upfield shoulder with a perfect pass for a walk-in touchdown, and we answer Oklahoma with a touchdown. Now it's 7-7. Oklahoma gets the ball back here on their second drive. On first and 10, they show us their flat motion jet sweep RPO action for the first time. This is a, a play they run a lot. Now, uh, it's, and it's certainly not the last time we're going to see but it's the first time we see in this game on their second drive. What they do is they send Hollywood Brown, one of the fastest guys in college football, definitely the fastest guy on their team. They send him in motion for the jet sweep action. And what Baker Mayfield is watching is that inside linebacker. If the inside linebacker follows uh, Hollywood Brown on that motion, they hand it off to Anderson. If the linebacker stays in to take the run, they swing it out to the speedster Brown, who will almost certainly pick up at least five-plus yards. It's really simple, but it's beautiful in its simplicity and truly lethal. It's so hard to defend that because they have the multiple options built into the same play, and whatever you do, they will do the opposite. So in this case, Roquan stays in to play the run. So Mayfield swings it out to Brown, who jets upfield for an easy nine yards, putting them in an ideal second-and-one situation. So the next play, second-and-one, uh, 
this time, Tyler Clark makes his presence felt really for the first time all day, and he'll make his presence felt all day long, but explodes into the backfield only to be wrestled to the ground, and of course, of course, there was no holding call on the obvious hold, but they hand off to Anderson, who gets enough for the first down, barely enough, but he gets enough, should have been a holding penalty, but whatever, they don't call it, uh, so now they have it first and 10 again on a new set of downs, their first play is an incomplete pass, but on second and 10, we go to our nickel package for the first time all game. Yeah, we bring DeAndre Walker into the game now, and he sets the edge beautifully, which is something that he struggled with his first couple years, but now he's put on some weight. He's going to keep that weight on. He sets the edge beautifully there, but John John Atkins, who is so solid for us all year long, he gets blocked on this particular play, and Roquan gets picked off in traffic, but after he gets knocked down, Roquan gets up and chases Rodney Anderson down from behind, down the sideline. Uh, but not before Anderson picks up 45 yards. It's a huge gain for him. So now Oklahoma has the inside our 20, first and 10, and they run their patented GT power. And that's what that is, is a guard and tackle that pull from the backside, hence GT power, guard tackle power. And they're going to run this all day long, guys. And they do it They do it, They do do it. it with multiple variations. But it's the first time we see it on the day, and they get nine yards out of it. Yet another chunk on first down, keeping them ahead of the chains which was definitely a trend early in this game. So now they have a next they have on the next play, second and one from the nine-yard lines. John Atkins gets doubled, but the offensive, the Oklahoma offensive tackle scoops up to Roquan on the combo block, taking him completely out of the play, and Anderson basically just walks in for a touchdown. Very little resistance on that drive, and they were rolling, man. I mean, they, they had the tempo going, and we, and we, just, we, could, we were just I, I kind of momentarily stunned there in that drive. It's the only way I can describe that. Uh, and at this point, after two easy scores for Oklahoma on their first two drives, you're thinking, I mean, I know I was, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I know I was thinking, oh man, this could be uh, this could be a long day. I'm, I'm definitely rushing through my hair, hands through the hair, what little hair I have left, and we are down 14-7. It really was the pace there that got to us on this drive. They were rolling and we were scrambling, particularly on those last two plays where we were not fully aligned at the snap. But we get the ball back here, uh, we get it for the third time, and on first down, we go with a tight formation, one of the Jim Cheney specialties, and run inside zone. On this play, Ben Cleveland and Andrew Thomas do a great job of washing down. Uh, Nick Chubb sees the crease and darts through it north and south for 16 yards. So another big gain on first down for us on the ground. Uh, we fast forward to third down here in the next set of downs. Not much going on first and second down. It's third and medium. Jay Fron drops back and cycles through his progressions and ends up dropping off to Charlie Warner on the check down in the right flat for a first down. Really great job by, by Fromm staying patient and making a good decision with taking what the defense gave him. On the very next play, we go play action. We're looking for a home run to Wims down the field, but it's not there. So Fromm, again, for the second straight play, displays great decision-making and checks it down once again to Charlie Warner. He's getting a lot of action here early in the game. I mean, kind of having a career first quarter until breaking his arm, but this time Charlie Warner picks up 11 and another first down. We are in business here. We're rolling a little bit. Uh, on the next first down, Fromm hits Tyler Simmons on the shallow cross from left to right with another solid nine-yard gain on first down. We really did a great job of that all game. We were, we were productive on first down. We, for the most part, stayed out of third and long situations where Obena Okoronkwo, who is their best pass rusher, uh, could tee off on Fromm. Really just a, a, a kind of pro quick pass rusher off the edge there, and we were able to kind of keep him off balance and really kind of, for the most part, take him out of the game. Uh, and so, so you can and you can really kind of see us doing a great job of that, keeping them off balance here in the first quarter. So now we have it second and one from the Oklahoma twenty nine. But Kendall Baker, whoo man, I was livid in the stands. Not that it really matters, but I was flipping out about this. 
Kendall Baker jumps off sides and pushes us back to second and six. Now look, in the grand scheme of things, was it the biggest deal in the world? I mean, you look back and say no. But when this happened, I did, man. I went ballistic in the stands. Fortunately for us, it did not cost us the game. But undisciplined mistakes like that at critical times absolutely can cost you in big time games like this where every point in every yard counts. Every drive counts. And here we were about to go back in and tie it up. Um, we have a second and one from the 29-yard line, starting to build some momentum, and now all of a sudden it's second and six. So on second and six, which causes us to change our play call here, very likely, and Fromm flings it out to Terry Godwin the boundary on an RPO where we had a, a two-to-one numbers advantage. So it, it was the right play, but to their credit, Oklahoma just makes a play. The safety comes flying up and makes a play, and since we threw into the boundary, their pursuit had less dis- distance to travel and they just hemmed Godwin in for a one-yard gain. Uh, wasn't much going on, on there. So now it's third and five. And here is where Okoronkwo, their pass rusher, is able to pin his ears back. And he just flat out beats Andrew Thomas off the snap on an inside move, which forces Fromm to scramble right and drop the ball off to Sony as the outlet. But uh, the Oklahoma defense swarms and makes a tackle short of the first down mark. So Okoronkwo did not get the sack on the play, but he certainly was responsible for us coming up short and not getting the first down. So we bring out Rodrigo for the field goal attempt, but he pushes it. He pushes it. 48-yard field goal attempt goes wide left from the right hash. And again, I go back to Kendall Baker's false start. Now, there is no way to know if we would have, uh, if we would have scored, there's no way to know if we would have scored what happens in this game. But our chances certainly would have been better at second and one than second and six for us to get a touchdown on this play or even a field goal. But as it was, we couldn't move the chains, and Rodrigo misses the field goal. Still 14-7 Oklahoma. Oklahoma gets the ball back. So on first down, Oklahoma runs the same screen to Anderson the flat they did early in in this quarter, but this time we learned our lesson, and DeAndre Walker eats him up for a two-yard loss. And this is a play, talking about what we're going to see next year, this is a play I'm not sure Davin Bellamy is going to make. Walker's athleticism became a huge asset as this game went along. And I know Bellamy played a lot of football for us. He was a leader out there at times. Made some huge plays for us at Notre Dame, obviously, the sack. And then the sack in the SEC title game against Auburn. But Walker just brings a significant uptick in athleticism when he's on the field. And I think that might be something that can, be, that can really work to our advantage here in 2018. But makes a huge play on that, on, on that particular down. And on second down, Oklahoma runs an option to Jeff Bidette, who's a wide receiver that used to play at Kentucky. They line him up in the backfield. Uh, they get a couple yards here and get to third and three. On third down, Tyreek McGee gets absolutely no hands on CeeDee Lamb. This was a trend here in the first quarter. Us just not being able to get any hands, no jams against these wide receivers of Oklahoma and trying to mess up their timings. RPOs, really the best way to defend those is to get hands on receivers and try to mess up the timing. Uh, so McGee gets no hands on CeeDee Lamb. Lamb gets inside of him. Beats me on a slant for the first down on the last play of the first quarter. So not a disaster of first quarter, but certainly not exactly what we were looking for either. On the first play of the second quarter, after an 11-yard completion to Mark Andrews, or I guess on the first down after 11-yard completion to Mark Andrews, not the first play of the, of the second quarter, Julian Rochester is now in the game. All right, we, we sub him in there to give our defense alignment, our starters, a little bit of a breather. And Julian immediately gets blown up on a... On a uh, a defensive tackle, and the center scoops up to Roquan, who has to cut inside of him to try to get around the block. And basically, what happens is, is Julian just he gets blown up uh, on a he was double team, he gets blown up here, 
and the, the center kind of scoops off the double team. He combos up to Roquan, who has to cut inside of the center to try to get around that block. And by doing so, there's a huge hole off the, off the left side of the offensive line there. And Rodney Anderson runs right through it for a 41-yard touchdown. They are doing a great job of keeping us off balance at this point. We start with our base defense for the first couple of drives to take away that ground game and just hope to be confident enough against the pass. But Mayfield was burning us in the air. Uh, so we start to go to more di- more nickel looks, and they start to dash us with Anderson like they did here on this particular play. And now we're in the danger zone. Let's be real. It's 21-7 now. We're down to a potent offense with a Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. We were in real danger at this point early in the second quarter. So a lot of football left to play, obviously. But we were in danger at this point of letting this game get away from us early. But we get the ball back, and we're not quite ready to go down yet because on the first play of our next drive, on an incredible play design by Jim Chaney on first down, we're able to get a huge play out of this particular play. And what we do is we send Miko in flat motion to provide the speed sweep action to the field. The cornerback follows again in man coverage and takes himself out of the play. Chaney did a great job of that in this game in in terms of designing plays to move defenders out of areas and kind of exploit those areas. The speed sweep action also freezes Kenneth Murray at inside linebacker, which is another nuance in this particular play that helped create a lane uh, in this play. Uh, And along with that, you have Isaac Nata, who's selling the speed sweep with an arc block action on the outside. So you have three things happening here that really kind of sell this play. You've got Miko going in flat motion that takes one corner uh, to the opposite side of the field. The quarterback follows in motion there. You got the speed sweep action that freezes Kenneth Murray inside linebacker. So really what Miko did with with that motion there, what Chaney was able to do is basically take two players out of this particular play, the cornerback and the inside linebacker, who kind of freezes on that speed sweep action. And then on top of that, you have Isaac Nara really selling the speed sweep with an arc block action on the outside. When defenders see an edge blocker arc like that to get on the outside shoulder of a perimeter uh, defender, to them, that is a perimeter run read. And that's just one of the details Jim Chaney throws in there that he would never get credit for to the naked eye. So all you guys out there that like to really hate on Jim Chaney, I just encourage you to watch what he does very closely because the guy knows how to set up runs. I mean, his blocking schemes are so varied and and I don't want to say genius, but not far from it. Uh, So the design is great and the execution is even better. Cleveland, who is having a hell of a game at this point, blows up the nose. Thomas washes down the three-tech defensive tackle on the inside zone, and there's a gigantic hole for Sony Michelle to motor through. And Sony does what Sony does and makes a safety miss one-on-one in space. I mean, he literally makes the guy fall down, and he takes the distance to make it 21-14, and boom, we are right back in this thing. And I want to take a second here and say this. Look, as good as Nick Chubb was, and Nick Chubb was so good for us and such a, such a, a great player for us for, his entire time, and what a lead, just what an ambassador for our program. But as good as Nick was, this particular play is a quintessential example of why I was saying all season long that Sony was the best back on this team and needed to get more carries than what he got. He just simply did a better job of making people miss in space and turning 15-yard gains into 40- to 50-yard gains, which is exactly what he did here. The design by Cheney and the execution by the offensive line, that got Sony the first 10 to 15 yards. But it was his ability to make a man miss in space and make him badly miss in space and then turn on the afterburners that turned a good gain into a touchdown. And Nick... God bless him. Truly, God bless Nick Chubb. He just did not do that near as consistently as Sony did last year. 
So just my my two cents on on that on on that quarter or I guess running back battle there between Sony and Nick. But hey, I'm just saying we're glad to have both of them. But Sony was a baller all last year. I don't think he got near enough touches. I think he definitely should have gotten more. But regardless, we're back in this as 21-14. On the next drive, Oklahoma goes on an 11-play drive that stalls out at our 21-yard line. They hand the ball second and seven from they had the ball second and seven from our 12-yard line. But Aaron Davis breaks up a pass on second down, and then on third down, Tyler Clark here he is again comes up with another one of those plays. That at the time, like we didn't quite know how big it would end up being. But if they score a touchdown on this drive, this game might have turned out to be a different story. But as it was, Tyler Clark rushes rushes from the three technique, blows past a double team with a great first step, gets first contact in the blockers' his hands, uses great leverage, and takes Mayfield down for a nine-yard loss, forcing Oklahoma to settle for a field goal. And now it's 24-14. So still, like, it's not ideal. We're down 10 here. But we're still in this game. We're just hanging around this first half. On the next drive, we fail to respond. And we punt the, raw, the ball right back to Oklahoma. And when they get the ball, we're going to pick it back up at second and three. Now, on this particular play, we're playing two-man. What that means, we have two deep safeties and playing man coverage underneath. There is no one open on this play. Uh, we play great coverage underneath. We have two guys over the top. Uh, Marshall... Uh, disengages here for a late sack and really what it was I mean this is a pure pure coverage sack uh, but we're able to to get Mayfield down the ground now it's third and long and we were able to get the stop with an interesting package we come out with Tyler Clark at the zero basically a nose guard position Walter Grant's out basically as a seven tech and we have DeAndre Walker sending up to Roquan Smith and what we do is we send three and we use Walker as a spy and we're able to we're able to make the stop short of the first down, force Oklahoma to punt again. But this time they punt us down to the two yard line on fourth down. So we got to stop, but we're not in great field position here. We've we've certainly got our work cut out for us here from the two yard line. But on first and ten, we get a little lucky here. The inside linebacker Kenneth Murray on the run play takes the wrong gap, and we really picked on this guy all game long. Man, he was just out of position consistently. We're able to kind of confuse him with some of the the formations we threw out there some of the motions we threw out there uh so he, he takes the wrong gap which helped us out no doubt but Ben Cleveland and and Andrew Thomas again had a heck of a first half really a heck of a game they double the two tech needing to tackle get some serious movement so with the play side linebacker needing to tackle now out of the play entirely Nick Chubb has a huge hole to run through he cuts back across the grain to the left sideline for a 45 yard game but then immediately after that we weren't really able to capitalize on it because we bring in Swift as an H-back and we take a sack on first down. Really what happened was Charlie Warner was lined up as an H-back to the right side of the line. He looked inside, failed to take the safety blitzing, laid off the edge. Uh, just a cardinal sin for him there. Uh, just a mistake on his part at the end of the world, but it kind of stops any momentum we had with Chubb's long 45-yard run. Now it's second and 17. We go for a back shoulder to Wims down the left sideline, but Wims drops it. It would have been a really tough catch. I mean, dropping, drop saying he dropped it was kind of a strong word here, but had his hands on it. He drops it. Now it's third and long, and we end up punting Oklahoma inside the 10-yard line. They got the ball back on their sixth drive of the first half, and they come back with their patented guard tackle GT counter on first down. And they essentially run it as an RPO. What they do is they have Anderson and Trace Sherman, true freshman out of Georgia, in the backfield. But it's basically their two top tailbacks. Anderson goes in motion behind the quarterback, and he is the pass option here. Roquan follows Anderson, and Aaron Davis also comes up from his defensive back position to play the passing option of the RPO. 
What that does, it leaves us with a four-on-five situation in the box where we have four and they got five blockers. And this is a mismatch for us. Walker sets the edge. Does a great job setting the edge again. But Reggie Carr just can't quite make the play. He was in position to, but Reggie, God bless him, just, uh, I can't say any other way. He just wasn't good enough to make the play. I mean, Reggie played as hard as he possibly could. This is, I mean, he was one of those guys, a great leader for us, never got in trouble, always did the right thing. He was there when we needed him. But with nature's patched out of this game and after the last couple games of the year, there certainly was uh, a, a, a drop in talent there at the inside linebacker position, and our production just wasn't what it was with Natres in that in that role. So Reggie just couldn't quite make the play. They go for a 31-yard gain. Great play design by Lincoln Riley. Have to give him credit there. He is an offensive mastermind. They really got to give him credit. Very simple. It really is a simple offense, but they run it to perfection. He does a great job just doing little things to get guys out of position and put the defense into conflict. But big play for them on first down. Nothing doing on, on the first down of uh, the next. Uh, uh, the next set of downs here. So we'll fast forward to second and nine. Jonathan Ledbetter forces an incomplete pass on a quarterback query. He forced Mayfield to get rid of it just a split second earlier. They probably have a big game on that play, but as it is, it's third and nine. And this time they run a mesh route designed to pick our defensive backs and man coverage. And for you guys who don't know what a mesh route is, it's basically, have two, it's basically a crossing routes, kind of two shallow crossing routes in the middle of the field. Uh, and you're trying, basically you're trying to pick one guy. It really is. It, it, the mesh routes are designed to pick guys in man coverage. And we were indeed playing man under. They got us in exactly the defense they wanted us in. Baker, DeAndre Baker gets picked. And Hollywood Brown gets the pass. And he takes it for 44 yards inside the 15-yard line. They, they run the mesh route to perfection there. So it's now first down and goal. Clark with, But Tyler Clark comes up with another huge play. Knifing inside for a loss of four. And I just got to stop here and say something about Tyler Clark. I mean, he really showed why something with another good year, you might see this guy declare early for the NFL draft. And as we will see as the game continues, they just could not block him. He was fresh. When he was in there and he was not worn down, they had no answers for Tyler Clark. They could not do anything with him. He made another huge play here. First and goal, he knives in the backfield, takes him down for a loss of four. So now it's second and goal. They bring Jeff Bidette, the wide receiver, across the field from left to right. But Roquan Smith is a beast. He pursues the play from his inside linebacker, inside linebacker position. They hand the ball off to Bidette. And he absolutely sticks Bidette on the two. I mean, he sticks him on the two. So it's third and goal at the two. They toss left to Dimitri Flowers. They get a little fancy here. They toss it left to Dimitri Flowers, who then reverses the ball to C.D. Lamb, who is now running full speed to the right. What they did is they slipped Baker Mayfield to the back right corner of the end zone. Roquan Smith, to his credit, diagnoses the play right away. And he immediately rushes towards Mayfield to cover him in the back of the end zone. But Oklahoma executes this play to perfection. CeeDee Lamb presses hard upfield, putting Roquan in what I call classic conflict, where he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. If he stays in Mayfield, he lets Lamb walk in for a touchdown. But if he comes to take, to take the run away from Lamb... He lets him just toss the ball to Mayfield and back of the end zone for a touchdown. Well, Roquan, he opts for the ladder, makes Lamb throw the ball to, to Mayfield to see what happens. But, of course, Mayfield makes the catch for the touchdown, puts Oklahoma up 31-14 with six seconds left. I mean, it really was, guys. It's great design all around and a perfect example of why Lincoln Riley gets so much credit for being an offensive guru. I mean, starting with, look at it, there's a couple things to look at here. Starting with the fact they had Flowers as their big power back. He is. Dimitri Flowers is their big power back in that running back. 
when they pitch it, we are already thinking they brought him in just for this, to get him in there, the two-yard line, to, pu- to punch it in there in a short-yard situation. So our linebackers want to trigger downfield, or yeah, they want to trigger downfield at the running back, downhill, to take him out. But instead, they pitch it, and instead of handing it off, which gets the flow going to the left, so they pitch it to Flowers, the flow goes strong to the left, then they bring it back on the reverse, which creates absolute chaos, and finally... They put Roquan in a truly impossible situation where he cannot make a right choice as long as they execute the play properly. They did execute it properly, and they get a touchdown. So just a beautifully designed play. I mean, I wasn't happy when I saw it happen, but I can look back in retrospect and just give give Baker Mayfield and really give more than anyone, Lincoln Riley, credit for dialing up a beautiful play call there uh, and a key moment of the game. So now Oklahoma's up 31-14, six seconds left in the game, and here we are again in danger zone. And now all the Georgia fans in attendance, I'd say about three-fourths that stadium, are not sure what to think right now, but we get some very fortuitous developments here over the next couple plays, and it all starts, really, it all emanates from Oklahoma deciding to go with a squib kick with six seconds left. I do not know why teams still do this. I, I cannot for life me figure it out, but thank God they did on this particular day. So they squib it, and then Tay Crowder with maybe, there were a lot of huge plays in this game, but I'm not sure there were any bigger than Tay Crowder grabbing that squib kick. I mean, I would say at least it was the most unheralded big play of the game because he flashes great hands and snags the kick, falling to the ground immediately at the 47-yard line with six seconds left. I mean, they are kicking off with six seconds left. If Tay Crowder reaches out and makes contact with the ball but fails to secure it, First off, Oklahoma might have recovered the ball, or best case, we maybe re-recover it, but with not enough time to get the field goal to get in the field goal range. But Tay Crowder, man, he sticks his hands out there and just snags, grabs the ball, goes straight to the ground. Now we've got a chance to do something. At the at this point, we don't know what that something is, but we got a chance to maybe possibly do something before the half. Now I will say that I had fans around me in, in the end zone there screaming for Cheney to take a Hail Mary shot in the end zone. But to his credit, Cheney brilliantly decides to have Jake Fromm roll right very quickly and hit Terry Godwin on the quick hitter on the right sideline for nine yards to the 38-yard line. Now, again, I have even more fans screaming for a Hail Mary this time. But Kirby, with another master coaching decision, sends out Rodrigo Blankenship, who nails an absolutely monumental 55-yard field goal to bring us within two scores, 31-17 at the half. What an incredible momentum swing. But looking at the first half in retrospect here, all in all, let's be real, guys. Oklahoma clearly outplayed us in the first half. And it was a borderline miracle that we were within two touchdowns at the half. I mean, they had the ball inside our 15, but Tyler Clark makes a huge play, beating, even ta- beating a double team, and drops Mayfield on third down to hold him to a field goal on one drive. And then there was a combination of boneheaded coaching by Lincoln Riley on the squib and an outstanding play by Tate Crowd to grab the kick. And then great coaching on our part, allowing us to keep ourselves within striking distance because it very easily could have been about 35-14 at half with us having no momentum heading into the locker room. But fortunately for us, as it was, we did go into the locker room with a chance and a belief that we could still win this game only down by two scores considering how badly we played in that first half. So in the third quarter, Oklahoma comes out. They get the ball first. We again come out in our base defense. And after a short game on first down, we begin what will end up being a trend in the second half. And we get pressure on Mayfield, forcing him to escape the pocket 
where we end up dragging him down for a two-yard loss. Let's go to third nine here. This brings us to another one of those unheralded plays on this first drive Oklahoma had in the second half that very few remember or talk about after the game, but actually went a long way to helping us win this football game. Now, Oklahoma senses that we're going to be coming after the quarterback. So they run a screen to Hollywood Brown, the fastest player on their team. And and they were right, man. Their senses were correct. They catch us perfectly in a blitz. It was a great call. And it, by all, in, in reality, it should have been a first down. But Jonathan Lebeter comes from literally out of nowhere, hustling his tail off to come track down Brown. Again, the fastest player on their team, a defensive lineman, tracking down the fastest player on their team. He tracks him down and makes a tackle from behind one yard short of the first down after initially rushing the passer. It was sheer hustle and effort that made that play. And I say this is a huge play because if they get that first down, who knows how that changes things. I can't say with any certainty how it changes things, but maybe they make something out of it. Maybe they don't. As it was, that play and effort by Jonathan Ledbetter thwarted a great call and gave us the initial stop we needed. Jonathan Ledbetter is a guy that I'm expecting huge things out of here in 2018. He's going to be an upperclassman. He's going to be a team leader on this team. Uh, And not only is he going to be a leader, but he's also a guy that's played a lot of stats for us and can really do the dirty work. I think he's going to be a key player, perhaps the key player for us on that defensive line heading into 2018. So we get the stop, thanks to Ledbetter. And now we have a chance to cut into their lead a little bit. And we make it count. Miko first off, returns the punt to the 50-yard line, setting, up, setting us up with great field position. Now, the first play of our first out of the second half was purely vintage Nick Chubb. We come out with a double H-back formation, which was a heavy run formation for us all year. We run an inside zone, which we had had some success with in the first half. And for the third time in the game, Cleveland and Andrew Thomas get some serious movement on the right side of the line. And on this play, they absolutely just blow up the right side of the line. And they are the catalyst for a huge gain on the ground. This time in particular, Andrew Thomas is able to work up to the inside linebacker on the combo block. And Chubb bounces off two tacklers like the Nick Chubb of 2014 and 15. And then takes the distance for a touchdown on a 50-yard one-play drive. And now the, the crowd is delirious, guys. I mean, freaking delirious. We were freaking out in the best of ways in the side of that stadium after this play. We seize momentum with that squib kick and late field goal to end the first half. Then we hold them to three and out on their opening drive and then immediately follow that up with a one-play drive for a long touchdown to bring us within one score. And it's on now. And so Oklahoma, they come out, though, and now they're kind of reeling a little bit here. They feel the momentum swinging. And we're going to fast forward to third and three on Oklahoma's next drive on the initial set of downs of the possession. Uh, we sub in Trent Thompson and Julian Rochester and go with a dime package, which is interesting considering that the down and distance make a run very much a possibility here. It's third and three. But you have to imagine the game plan uh, in our scouting of Oklahoma told Kirby Mel Tucker that this was a pass-heavy down for them. Uh, I pass heavy down distance for Oklahoma. So we go with a dime look, and we throw his own blitz at him. We line up Roquan Lorenzo Carr in the A-gaps, showing double A-gap blitz. But we back Lorenzo out at the snap. We do send Roquan up the gut, who beats the tailback Rodney Anderson and forces Mayfield outside the pocket, where Lorenzo is laying weight as a spy and cleans up the mess for the sack. We did a couple times on the day where we'd send one guy up the middle, try to force Mayfield outside the pocket. we drop either Lorenzo or DeAndre Walker back as kind of a spy on Mayfield and then make the play. And that's certainly what happened here. And again, that stadium is rocking 
after our second straight three and out to start the second half after Oklahoma more or less had their way with our defense in the first half. So we're still down a touchdown here. It's 31-24. We get the ball back for the second time in the second half. Now, again, we're going to fast forward to third down here. It's third and four, third and four in our initial set of downs in this possession. We line up in shotgun with DeAndre Swift to the left of Jake Fromm. We hand off to Swift from the draw. Miko delivers a very good crack block, and there is a lane for DeAndre Swift to run through. But he passes that lane up and tries to bounce it outside, and it stopped just inches short. If he would have taken that lane and go north and south rather than go east-west there, he would have easily gotten the first down. And this is really one of the few times all year that Swift's vision or his decision-making was lacking when toting the rock. But as it was, he comes out just inches short, and we're forced to punt. But the punt's a great one. And Tyler Simmons is able to hustle downfield and down it at the two-yard line. So not anything going on offensively on that possession for us, but at least we back them up inside the five-yard line where we can hopefully get another stop and a short field to work with. So Oklahoma gets the ball back. They get a short gain on first down. Then on second down, they line up in trips to the field to kind of spread us out. On this play, they go back to the GT counter. They do another variation of it. They, they fake a screen to the formation, and they run the guard tackle GT counter to the boundary. But this time, they throw a new wrinkle at us and go with a GT quarterback counter, which allows them to get an extra blocker into the equation, and they get the first down with a gain of 12. So we had them backed up inside the five, but now they're able to find their way out of that. And the next play, they try to keep the pressure on us, and they run a flea flicker to the tight end, Mark Andrews, but J.R. Reedman, here he is again, just making plays. He's not fooled as he is an excellent coverage and is able to knock the ball away. And just talk about J.R. Reed for just a second. This is a guy that we're going to have back this year. What a find he was. A lot of people said we only brought him in to kind of seal up D'Angelo Gibbs. But as of right now, well, I mean, we'll see what happens with Gibbs. Right now, J.R. Reed has been the, the, the better of the two. I mean, there's not, not even close, no contest. And he was a rock for us back there in the secondary. I, I know that Dom Sanders got a lot of the publicity because he was a four-year starter and made a lot of plays through his career. Sanders was a good player for us. But I, I just have to say this, man. Like J.R. Reed was unequivocally the better player last year between him and Sanders. There's no contest. He was consistently in the correct position, very solid in coverage, as evidenced by this play against Mackey, and a significantly better tackler than Dominic Sanders. I know losing a better line Sanders can be tough. I'm not going to try to downplay that too much. But if I had to pick one of those guys to have back, it's J.R. Reed, hands down. I mean, it's just no contest. Anyway, back to the game. So after forcing Mayfield to scramble for a short game on second down, after Rochester forced him out of the pocket with a twist stunt, we have them third and eight. But they break tendency here. Third and eight was pretty much, for most of the year, a heavy pass down for them. But they break tendency, and they run their GT counter again. They found something there. And this time they rumble for 25 yards down to our 40-yard line after catching us in our dime package. It's just, a, just another great call by Lincoln Riley. I mean, he really is a, a great offensive mind. There's no doubt about it after this game. Uh, now, first down after that big play on third and eight, we go with our nickel look with, a, with kind of a mush rush to keep Mayfield in the pocket. The coverage is great down the field. Um, Mayfield really has nowhere to go with the ball. He kind of keeps holding on to the pocket there. Ledbetter keeps controlling his man. And he disengages late for the sack on Mayfield. So now we have a second and 18. And on this play, Tyler Clark lines up in a three technique with DeAndre Walker at the five. Together, they run a twist stunt. Clark does a great job of tying up both blockers. And with his, and with his quickness, DeAndre Walker breaks free inside for the sack on the twist. So, so far in the second half, we are seeing copious amounts of DeAndre Walker. At halftime, what we clearly saw was we need to get more speed and athleticism on the field to defend OU's spread attack, and one way to do that 
was to use Walker in place of Davin Bellamy for much of the second half, especially the third quarter where we really made our move in this game. Then on third and long, they run a, a draw, and Tyler Clark, yet again, is there to destroy people and force the punt. So we get the ball right back with another chance to tie this game up. Uh, we come out with a strange formation on first down here in the next possession. It's almost like two H-backs and three-point stances. Uh, kind of like a diamond formation in a way, but just from under center. Oklahoma is playing off. Uh, so they're playing off of Terry Godwin there, I should say. So Fromm takes what's there. He, like, he did this all season and flips it out to Terry for the first down. Uh, on the next set of downs, you have nothing to do on first down. Is Cleveland on this play? I mean, Cleveland played outstanding for us, but he gets stood up and Chubb goes down for a loss of one. And really, again, Ben Cleveland was fantastic in this game, particularly on the zone runs. But he still has a tendency to kind of let guys get under him and win those leverage battles. We saw that a lot in the national title game. Part of that is just his height. I mean, the guy's 6'6 there. Part of it's also a flexibility issue, though. And I think that's something he can fix moving forward. It's something he needs to fix. And I have I have confidence that our strength staff will get him in the shape he needs to get into in order to really kind of maximize his, his ability, his potential there. So not much going down there on first down. We come out with a tight formation on second down, and it's a Cheney special as we... Uh, get them to stack the box, and we counter with play action. We essentially, what we do here in this play, it's second and long, we essentially run a flood concept here against cover three. As Terry Godwin runs the cornerback off to the boundary with a go route. So he's got the cornerback, the boundary cornerback's on him, he runs a go route, runs him off. We sneak Isaac Nara, the tight end, into the flat as the short option. And then we have Javon Williams dragging across as the intermediate option. So we got the levels, you call these the floods or level routes, whatever you want to call them, either one works. And Fromm has just got to make the read, depending on what the defender is doing. He makes a correct read on this play, and he hits Wims at the second level for the first down. So it's a Cheney special there, man. Come out with a heavy, tight, the heavy tight look. It's a heavy rundown formation for us. They respond with a stack box, and then we go play action with them and get the big game for the first down. So the next set now is let's fast forward to third and two here. We come out with trips to the left. Fromm sees something at the line, and he changed the play and moved Sony to his left. And then we snap the ball, hand it off to Sony to the right. Cleveland and Gellyard blow up the zero-tech nose guard while Andrew Thomas is able to slide Aronco out of the play with a drop step. As aggressive a pass rusher as he is, when, when Aronco sees that drop step, he reads path and he takes off after the passer and just completely takes himself out of the play. It also helps that they are in cover three, which normally would be the right call against this play because it allows you an extra safety into the box. But Oklahoma got a little too cute here. And I want to go a little bit deeper in this play than I have some of the other plays. Oklahoma gets cute on this play. They, they run a cover three, which is the right call against what we're running here. But they tried to confuse our true freshman quarterback by disguising the coverage and waiting to bring the safety down until the last second. And that's, that's good and all if you want to try to confuse the guy. But when you don't confuse him and he figures out what you're doing, he diagnoses it, it can work against you. And that's exactly what happens here. It works against them. Because Jake Fromm was not fooled. As... The play was initially called. Sony was lined up on Jake Fromm's right, and we would have handed off going to the left, and he would have run right into that backside safety, dropping down in run support. But Jake Fromm sees it even before the safety really starts heading downhill and gets us into the perfect look. Since the backside safety was trying to disguise the play, he gets into his run support position a step late, and has a very tough angle to get Sony. Uh, and the play size safety, since he's playing cover three, he's rotating to the middle third to snap. So he completely takes himself out of the play. So both safeties now are essentially out of the play. And the result is a massive running lane for Selena Michelle to exploit. And that, boys and girls, is exactly why 
Jake Fromm is one bad dude. It's all of those little things that most people would never notice or take the time to see that truly separate him. He is not the most physically gifted player in the world. Just make no bones about that. He's not. Although I do think he's undervalued in that regard. He's not an all-American type, just physical talent. But his football IQ and the ability to diagnose defenses both pre- and post-snaps is so advanced, so far advanced beyond your typical true freshman, really almost anyone in college football. Uh, so, you know, that's what makes Jake from special, and that was on full display on this particular play. And I also have to give one more guy credit on this play. It wasn't just Jake from Jake from got us in the right play, but I also have to give Riley really some major props on this play. This play would have been huge regardless, but it likely would not have been a touchdown if Riley Ridley did not literally drive his man out of bounds down the sideline, freeing Sonny Michelle up for the touchdown. I was in the stand screaming. No, not screaming Sonny Michelle's name. I was literally deliriously screaming, Riley Ridley, Riley Ridley, because it was just an incredible example of a wide receiver doing the dirty work that he would never get credit for. But on this show, at least, he's going to get some credit for because he absolutely destroyed his man and allowed Sony to go the distance for the touchdown. So Sony made a great play, no doubt about it, but it was more than just Sony on that play. And we have now climbed all the way back and tied the game at 31. And Oklahoma gets the ball again. Now, they have all, or all the momentum is now on our side. And it swings even further in our direction on Oklahoma's next drive. They have nothing happening on the first two plays. And that ends the third quarter. And this is a quarter in which we thoroughly dominated Oklahoma, holding them to 29 total yards of offense to our 130 yards of total offense. And we held the Heisman Trophy winner, Baker Mayfield, to 2 of 4 passing for 14 yards and sacked him three times. Such a truly dominant performance by our defense in the second, uh, in the in the third quarter, and our offense able to do enough to get us two touchdowns and tie this game up. And then it gets even more, or it kind of goes to our side even more here on the first play of the fourth quarter. DeAndre Walker explodes into the backfield. He forces Mayfield to speed up, and he overthrows Mark Andrews on the skinny post. And Dominic Sanders, playing a perfect center field, is there for the interception, and he returns it to the four yard line. And we are in business again. Let's fast forward on that drive. We have a second and goal from the four-yard line. We have DeAndre Swift in the game. We flare him out as seemingly the first option on the play from what I can tell. I'm not privy to the actual play call, but from what I can tell, from way from, looks at him, it looks like he's the first option on the play. The nickelback for Oklahoma follows Swift aggressively. which What that does is it clears out a throwing lane in the middle. So Fromm immediately moves his eyes to that spot when the nickel vacates the area and goes after Swift, and he hits Jamal Williams in the back of the end zone for the touchdown. The quarterback really had good man coverage on Williams here, but Fromm puts in a perfect place. Wim displays his extremely strong hands by snagging it out of the air and holding on for dear life, and now it's 38-31, good guys. Uh, Oklahoma, on the next drive, they go three and out. They try a reverse on first down by... Uh, but Roquan, who along with DeAndre Walker and Tyler Clark, took over this game in the second half. Roquan flashes his insane instincts and chases the play down. Nothing to do with Oklahoma on that set or on uh, that set of downs there in that particular drive. So we get the ball back now. We're at 38-31. We're going to fast forward to third and four on this next drive. Now Oklahoma brings pressure from the nickel. Uh, the nickel from the boundary there. Fromm reads it, and he tries to hit Miko on the hot route, but Miko seemingly misses that hot read and, uh, from Fromm, and Fromm takes the grounding penalty. So we're, 
ending up there in this drive, we also have to punt, and but we punt Oklahoma pretty deep back to their own 12-yard line. So they have the ball back now in the fourth quarter, and on first down, they line up with their two-tailback look with Trey Sermon and Rodney Anderson in the backfield. They motion Trey Sermon out to left, and Roquan follows, which what that does is another example of Lincoln Riley just being a great play caller and a great play designer. That leaves five defenders in the box against five blockers. Those are not favorable numbers for us, and Oklahoma takes clear advantage. Here they are again, running their GT counter again. And on this play, Julian Rochester gets turned far too easily, and Reggie Carter runs right past Anderson, who rumbles for 18 yards and a first down. On second and 10 on the next set of downs, they hit a go route to CeeDee Lamb over Tyreek McGee, who really had good coverage. I mean, I give McGee credit. He was there. He was in position to make the play, but he shouldn't have the size to actually make the play. And it's a 38-yard gain for Oklahoma. So it's first and 10 on the very next play. Julian Rochester is playing a one technique and gets absolutely driven off the ball at least a good three to four yards by the guard. Uh, Ronnie Anderson swings to the right. Mayfield fakes it to him and then pulls it down to run yet another variation of their patented GT counter, this time with the play-action quarterback variety. Uh, Mayfield runs exactly where Julian Rochester should have been, but unfortunately for us, he has been driven back into the second level, and Mayfield takes it uh, through a huge running lane for 25 yards down to our 15-yard line. And this guy, like this drive, guys, it provides the perfect illustration for why I have my worries about Julian Rochester being a guy that we're going to count on to be a starter on the defensive line for us this year. He, I'm not saying he can't do it, but he does not consistently flash great or even good first step quickness. What that means, the offensive line often gets their hands on him first, and so that he's not really a good one-gap penetrator in that regard, but neither does he consistently showcase great strength to hold up at the point of attack to be a solid two-gapper. He doesn't at times, but far too often last year, Rochester just got blown up at the point of attack. And again, I'm not saying he can't take a big step this year. All I'm saying is that Julian Rochester is going to need to take a big step if he's going to be one of those anchors we can count on on the defensive line in 2018. There's, in my mind, there's no doubt about that. He's got to take a big step this year because it wasn't good enough at times last year. Uh, they, but they have nothing to do on the traditional GT power on first down. But on second down fr- from the 11-yard line, they go play action, and they try to sneak Dimitri Flowers behind the linebackers. But Roquan Smith, again, flashing great instincts. He sniffs this out completely. He has it covered from the get-go. But we're only rushing three. And one of those three, Jonathan Ledbetter, crashes hard inside, allowing Baker Mayfield to escape the pocket to buy time. And Dimitri Flowers eventually gets just enough space in the back of the end zone for Mayfield to hit him for the touchdown to tie it up 38-33, now with 8 minutes, 47 seconds left in the game. And for all of you guys, I'm going to include myself in this as well, who kind of get frustrated at times with us uh, having maybe a lack of a pass rush, I guess I would say. This is the this is case in point why Kirby Smart and Mel Tucker often prefer uh, what we call a mush rush, because if you allow the quarterback to escape the pocket like this, he can buy time and put pressure on your secondary and eventually find someone to open the end zone. What you want to do with our mush rush is to keep the quarterback contained and squeeze him and eventually get him down there with, with coverage in the back end. But we let him escape the pocket, create a lane for him out there. He makes something happen. He buys time, and boom, now the game's tied up again. So this is a big drive for Oklahoma to kind of stem the momentum that we were gaining, and it's about to get even better for them, unfortunately, on our next drive. Because on the next drive, although we get a solid five-yard gain on first down, on second and five, we go with a tight formation and hit Miko on the deep out route for 15 yards. And, and guys, Frawley, you saw this all year last year. 
uh, in multiple games, really almost every game. He really excels throwing that deep out route. And this one was no exception as he shows great anticipation for Miko getting out of his break and he hits it with outstanding accuracy. And we're going to fast forward uh, to second and eight on the next set of downs. We run outside zone for my own 46. But this is where things get kind of rough for us. Isaiah Wynn, as good as he was all year for us, gets pushed back a little bit in this play into the backfield, which forces Sony to bounce it out a little bit and get strung out. Sony gets hit. They take his legs out. He gets hit, and he fumbles. OU returns it to 46 yards for the touchdown to take a 45-38 lead with 6.52 left. And within, what, uh, two minutes of, of, of game time there, They've got 14 points on the board. A seven-point lead is now turned into a seven-point deficit for us. And the momentum has really shifted in Oklahoma's favor. And Mayfield is doing his whirly bird, junk crap, whatever you want to call it. Doing his look-at-me-look-at-me look at kind of crap. So now we've got we've to try to get back in this thing. Now we're down a touchdown after taking the lead in the third quarter. And we're going to have to try to get back in there and tie this game up. So after the fumble return touchdown, the Oklahoma defense, they come out determined to try to stop the run. They can taste the victory at this point. And they clearly feel as if they can slow down the run game. Or if they can slow down the run game, this game is theirs. They want to slow it down. It's clear as they come out here. They come out in an eight-man box. And they attack downhill aggressively on the run action to Nick Chubb. And they stop the, the play for no game. And they're jumping around. They're screaming the whole nine yards at this point. They're going crazy. Now, Jim Chaney, seeing how aggressively they are now playing the run, tries to get them off balance again with play action. Oklahoma goes to the nickel look on second and 10. Makes sense, right? So it's pretty much a passing down force. And the nickel defender drops right under Miko in the seam, who was clearly Fromm's first target on this play. Now, Fromm feels a little pressure, and he tucks it for a gain of five. Now, maybe Jake Fromm could have hit Wims on the shallow cross coming under Miko if he waits just a beat longer in the pocket. But it was probably the right play to tuck it and pick up a, at least a few yards to get to third and manageable. And on third and five, we try to run a mesh route to Terry, to Terry Godwin, but from he, you know, he throws a little low on this play, and it's incomplete. And we have to punt from our own thirty with five minutes and sixteen seconds left. Time is running out, guys. I mean, at this point, there's a lot of nervousness in the Georgia sections of the stands. At, at this point in the game, you know, we're watching the Oklahoma sidelines. They feel like the game is theirs. They have a touchdown lead with five minutes to go. With the Heisman Trophy winner about to get the ball back and lead his team on the clinching scoring drive. It wasn't feeling so good for us at this point. Melcolm gets the ball back, and this is a critical drive. We have to get a stop, or this game is pretty much over. And really, preferably, we need a quick stop so we have sufficient time to go down the field and tie this game. On first down, they go with what else but the GT power, of course. And Anderson squirts out of the pile for four yards. On second and six, they go with a diamond formation in the backfield, run a zone read. Baker Mayfield keeps it. But Lorenzo Carter is able to track him down and limit the game to three yards. Now it's third and three. This is really where OU, and any team for that matter, wants to be. Third and three. They had carved us up on this down distance all day long with their ability to stay balanced, to keep us off balance. But as good as he is, and as smart of a game as he called at this point, and I've given him a lot of credit to this point in this podcast, but Lincoln Riley momentarily loses his mind on this next call. Out of all... All the things he could have called in this moment. He goes with a speed option on third and three into the boundary. I say this is a poor call because while there are undoubtedly option elements to what Oklahoma does with their RPOs running the old school, with their RPOs, there's a lot of option elements into that, but running the old school speed option is hardly a staple of what Oklahoma does. But they, for some reason, pull it out here. 
at a critical moment in the game and completely screw up the execution, which totally makes sense if you think about it. They don't run this play on a regular basis. You would not expect the execution on a play like this to be as crisp as it would be on a GT counter or RPO, which is what they make a living running. So this is truly, in my opinion, a case of a coach getting too cute for his own good. But hey, anyway, I'll take it. The pitch relationship between Mayfield and Anderson is a complete disaster. They are far too close, which allows DeAndre Walker, again, in on a critical down in favor of Bellamy, to play both the quarterback and the running back equally. And Mayfield does a horrible job pressing the line because he's not an option quarterback. He pitches it far too early, and DeAndre Walker and Tyler Clark, who were both beasts in the second half, eat the play up for no gain. This is a huge stop. And we get the ball back. We got a chance. Now, after a terrible 29-yard punt, which also helped us out here clearly, we had the ball on our own 41-yard line with 3 minutes and 22 seconds on the clock. Down 7 in the college ball playoff, season on the line with a true freshman quarterback at the helm. We're going to see what's going to happen here. We On first down, we run a draw to Sony for 4 yards. On second down, they play off Terry Godwin to the field and bring pressure from the field into Fromm's face. But Fromm, unflappable as he is, sees it, makes the quick and correct decision to hit Terry Godwin, and we get 15 yards and a new set of downs. On first down, Kendall Baker's man gets the first punch and immediately beats him and is in the backfield. But Fromm, again, does not panic. He sidesteps the pass rusher, takes off, and has the awareness to drop it off to Sonny Michelle for an 18-yard gain, taking us all the way down to the Oklahoma 22-yard line. And really, again, I want to stop and show this play for another quick second. Just an unbelievable play by a true freshman quarterback in crunch time and really showcases a couple of underrated things that make Jake Fromm a potentially special quarterback for us here in the next coming the next couple of years. The play goes awry from the get-go with Baker getting beat. It, it's just a disaster from the get-go. But first, Jake Fromm does not panic. How many true freshman quarterbacks in that situation just freak out and either take the sack or make an ill-advised throw here? I'd say most of them, but not Jake Fromm. Now, second, he showcases outstanding pocket mobility. Let's make no mistake. I'm not saying Jake Fromm is Tom Brady. He's not. Duh. But this is something Brady has also mastered. Neither of those guys are going to really scare anyone with their feet outside the pocket. But within the pocket, they have outstanding footwork and the ability to move around and manipulate it to their advantage. And Fromm does it perfectly here on this particular play. And third, while Fromm is able to escape the initial pressure and take off, he keeps his eyes downfield and finds Sony for a huge gain. So there's just so many layers to that one play by Jake Fromm. And that's a play that most just write off because he didn't throw it for 50 yards down the field. But nonetheless, it was a gigantic play, and Fromm just did multiple things in that play to make it actually happen. So now it's first and ten on the Oklahoma twenty-two. Uh, we get they, Oklahoma sends more pressure on first down, but Fromm is able to get back to the line of scrimmage before going down. It's second and ten. We bring Miko in speed motion and go for the play-action home run to the end zone, but it isn't there, and Fromm throws it away, which is a probably good decision. Not, not probably was a good decision on his part. But now here we are, man. It's getting whew, getting scary here. It's third and ten. One minute and six seconds left in regulation. And now our hearts are in our collective throats. The ball is snapped and Fromm hits Godwin in stride on a dig route for 17 down to the Oklahoma 7. Again, unflappable in a critical moment in this game. Under pressure and crunch time. Oklahoma's best pass rusher on this play. He gets a great jump on this one. Andrew Thomas really shows why he has potential to be a great left tackle in the future for us, even as early as this year. As he recovers quickly with his quickness and long arms and is able to ride Okoronko out of the play. 
Fromm climbs the pocket and delivers the strike to Godwin. So now we got it first and goal from the seven yard line. We go to a play that was a, that was big for us all year in these situations, and that is the fade to Javon Wims in the end zone. On, on all these plays, Fromm he, he reads the cornerback. He reads the cornerback's leverage, and he goes on this play. The cornerback's playing over the top, so Fromm goes to the back shoulder. It's incomplete, but. There's a flag on the play, and the refs call pass interference on Oklahoma, and we have the ball on the two-yard line, first and goal. On first down, from Amico go in motion to reveal the wild dog, with Chubb lined up behind center. We snap the ball. Andrew Thomas pulls from his right tackle position, uh, but it's really Isaac Nauta and fullback Christian Payne who get the key blocks as Chubb breaks across the end zone for the touchdown. Tied ball game, 45-45 with 55 seconds remaining. We are going crazy. But there is more than enough time for Oklahoma with the Heisman Trophy winner and that potent offense to race down the field and win this game. They open the next drive with under a minute left to Hollywood Brown, who suits for 12 yards and a first down down to the Oklahoma 37. It's now first and seven, 37 seconds left on the clock. Oklahoma looks to Brown again, but this time it's incomplete. On second down, second and 10, they run off tackle with Rodney Anderson trying to catch us sleeping again in our dying package like they did several times earlier in the game. This time, they get a solid game, but it's not a huge game. It's eight yards. Now it's third and two from the Oklahoma 45 with 29 seconds left. When Lincoln Riley calls a timeout. Now, realistically, they need about 20 yards for a field goal try here. They snap the ball, and Anderson releases from the backfield up the sideline to the boundary on a wheel route. But fortunately, we have the best defender in America, and Roquan Smith is there with the coverage, even though he almost slips. I mean, it was so, so close this play. If you go back and watch that he almost falls down, but thank God he doesn't. He's able to get his balance and stay in coverage there with Anderson down the sidelines. It's incomplete, and Oklahoma has to punt. We are going to overtime. We lose the toss, and we get the ball first in overtime. Oklahoma wants to play defense first, which makes sense. They know what they have to do when they get the ball. To start overtime, on first down, we come out with 12 personnel, 12 personnel, which is one back, two tight ends. We motion Javon Williams in tight from the boundary, trying to overpower Oklahoma like we did for most of the game. But on this play, we get stopped for a one-yard gain. They're up for the challenge here. Second and nine, we go to 11 personnel, which is one tight, one running back, one tight end. We go to what I call spread doubles, where you have two wide receivers out there and two guys and a, and a guy in the slot on either side of the line of scrimmage. And then we run a straight dive for three yards. So it's third and six. We're in a pretty good position here. Uh, it's kind of where we want to be, third and manageable. But we stay in 11 personnel. We go trips to the field this time, though. Isaac Nauta finds a hole in the zone, splitting the safeties, but he drops the pass. Now, I do want to say here, to defend Isaac Nauta, this would have been a very difficult pass to catch, as he has to spin back over his left shoulder. But he did get his hands on it. And at first glance, you probably look at this pass and say it was a misfire by Fromm because Nauta had to spin back to his left to try to make the catch. But in reality, if you look at it closely, it was actually a perfect throw by Fromm. It was the best throw he could have made in that situation. Like, really, the only spot he could have put it in because if he throws it out in front of Nauta, it would have either been picked or deflected. But as it was, we had to settle for a field goal. It's now 48-45, and now it's Oklahoma's turn in the first overtime. And I can hardly watch at this point. I, I can't watch. It's just I'm freaking out. Uh, it's first and 10. They send Hollywood Brown in motion trying to occupy Roquan, who takes a step in that direction and momentarily vacates the middle just for a split second there. Now, John Atkins makes a huge and potentially game-saving tackle here, holding Oklahoma to a four-yard gain. Uh, we saw a similar play early in the game where Rochester got blown up the line and it went for 30-plus yards, but not with Atkins on the field. He's able to, to, main, to kind of maintain his ground there and make the play for a four-yard gain. So it's second and six. 
They again set Hollywood Brown in motion. This time they give it to him around the boundary, uh, around the boundary corner. But JRE comes up on the motion, fights of a block, and makes a stop for a two-yard gain. So it's third and two. At this point, I am on life support in the stands. That's just that's the state I was in at this point. They come out under center, which is the first clue that some trickeration is potentially afoot here. Is OU never goes under center. They have two guys kind of lined up as wings. They have a guy named Smallwood lined up to the right of Mayfield at one of the wings. He comes across line of scrimmage in the snap and takes the handoff, coming into the boundary, kind of like what we did a lot with DeAndre Swift this year. But Davin Bellamy makes his presence felt after getting a lot of rest in the second half, and he blows up the tight end Mark Andrews, forcing Smallwood to arc slightly and giving play side inside linebacker Reggie Carter just enough time to get there and slow him down. Now, Let's get a closer look at this. Smallwood, even though Carter was there, he was in the process of breaking Reggie Carter's tackle. But Superman Roquan Smith flies across the field from the backside of the plate and cleans up. And I mean, he absolutely lights up Smallwood with a pitcher-perfect tackle, stops them shorts, fourth and one. I thought this was a mistake. Okay, it was fourth and one from our 16-yard line. I was in the stands freaking out. I thought Lincoln Riley was going to go for it. With that offense on fourth and one from R16, I'd probably go for it. Now, it's easy for me to sit there and say that from this vantage point, but I wonder if, if Lincoln Riley had it back to do over again if he would have gone for it here. But he opts to play it safe and takes the field goal to tie the game up 48-48 and to send it into a second overtime. So now I'm breathing again, but only barely. With the college ball overtime rule, since Oklahoma got to play defense first in the first overtime, they have to play offense first second overtime. So... They come out first and 10, and it's time for our elite defense to step up and win this game. Uh, first down, they come out with two tailbacks in the backfield on either side of Mayfield, and they run a lead dive for five yards, which to me in that situation is too much on first down. So second and five, they send Hollywood Brown in flat motion, and this time they go play action. But Trent Thompson had one of his far too infrequent moments of domination and beats the right guard with a swim move here and forces Mayfield to scramble right and throw off his back foot to Andrews and it's an incomplete pass. It was plays like that from Trent Thompson. It always kept us hoping that he would turn it on and, and do that more consistently and kind of live up to his five-star billing, but it just never happened. You know, he, he had those moments where his natural talent would just take over like it did on that given play, and thank God we got one of those moments right here. On that play, he absolutely played like a five-star, but it just was too far, just too, too uncommon of an occurrence for Trent Thompson throughout his career. I wish we could have seen that from him more consistently. But, hey, I'll take it, man. Right there is a huge play for us. So it's third and five. Baker Mayfield throws a pick in the back of the end zone. But don't get too excited because Jonathan Leviter jumped prior to the snap, and we give OU a first down. Now, to me, I think this shows the character and leadership of our team. Yes, that hurt. But this shows the leadership of our team. It It is hard to imagine how demoralizing that had to be for our guys. Uh, I, I mean, I know my heart at this point in the game it was ripped to shreds. I was an emotional wreck in the stands. I mean, you have the game won with the pick, but for it to be negated because of an offsides call, man, that's that's tough. That's tough. I, I don't know how you handle that on the field, but our guys were champs, man, and they don't hang in their heads. We keep chopping, and we get back in there, and we play ball. And that is one thing I am somewhat worried about coming into this season. Do we have the guys to step up and replace that leadership void? I I think we have some potential candidates. I like John Ledbetter there, but we're going to need some other guys to step up. I think J.R. can be one of those guys. Hopefully, DeAndre Baker can fill that spot as well. Maybe Nature's Patrick, if he can come back and be a key part of this team. So we'll have to see, though. It's going to be tough. But back to the game. It's first and 10. They bring Kyler Murray, uh, the backup dual-threat quarterback, 
back in the game, like early in the game, they line them up next to Mayfield in the backfield. But again, inexplicably here, they go with a speed option at a critical juncture. And yet again, it is poorly executed. This time, they bring Murray into the game, a guy who doesn't even play running back, and they expect it to be executed any better than it was the first time around. I don't know. Maybe they thought by having him on the field it would get our heads spinning and we would think too much. I don't know. But it's a very questionable call, uh, in my opinion. But hey, look, I'll take it because we hound Murray out of bounds for no gain. A second and 10, we are in cover one. They flip it out to Rodney Anderson in the flat, but Roquan is on him immediately and eats him alive for a loss of two. Now, guys, I said it before, but let me just say this one more time. I have seen a lot of Georgia defenders, a lot of great ones. David Pollock, Jarvis Jones, Richard Seymour, Marcus Stroud, Isaiah Ogletree, Sean Jones, and the list goes on and on. But I have never seen a better defensive player in the red and black than Roquan Smith. And I, I firmly believe that Roquan Smith was the best player in America last year. He was just ungodly. And that play was a perfect illustration of what we saw all year from him. And no matter what we do this year at inside linebacker, there's just no replacing that guy. We just There's just no way. We can't replace him. So... We don't want to hold whoever it is to that standard because you just don't see guys like that in the college game all too often. So it's 3rd and 12 now thanks to Roquan's play, and we are starting to feel it now. The energy is back, and it is loud. They are playing towards the end zone. I am sitting in there. This is all happening right in front of me, and the crowd is worse than bonkers. They run a mesh route again, which is a play they beat us for on a huge 40-plus yard gain early in the game when Baker got picked. We are in man on this play. So they have us again right where they want us. The mesh is the perfect call against man. He can pick us. But this time, Baker is able to avoid the pick from the opposite wide receiver, who literally tries to chase him down and get the pick. Blatantly, I might add. But Baker avoids it and chases Brown down short of the first down. And then we all know what happens from there. Lorenzo freaking Carter shows off that length and athleticism and somehow gets a hand on the field goal attempt. It's still 48-48, and now we have a chance to win the game. Let's fast forward. Let's go ahead and do this, guys. Fast forward. We get the ball now, second and 12 from our own 27-yard line. The ball is on the far right hash. We motion Jake Fromm out and have Sonny Michelle lined up behind center in the wild dog. We have our perimeter blocking crew in with Simmons and Trey Blunt. Again, every time those guys come in, it's almost guaranteed a run last year. We snap it to Sony. Not against the reach block on the box safety. Simmons gets enough of the deep safety screaming downfield. Isaiah Wynn is able to cut off the inside linebacker, and Jake Fromm, our freaking quarterback, stalks the corner and completely takes him out of the play with his block, creating a lane down the left sideline, and there ain't no stopping Sony. Touchdown, boom, dogs on top, 54-48, and I am literally doing cartwheels out of the stadium. And it was the wild dog, a formation that some fans were killing earlier in the year saying why do we ever do that why do we ever run that formation but that formation wins the rose bowl for us in two critical moments with a touchdown late in the fourth quarter to tie it and the game winning touchdown in double overtime and that my friends is the story of one of the greatest games in the long and storied history of georgia football and look guys i know this episode was far longer than usual, but I really thought it might be cool to go back and take an in-depth look at one of the most iconic games in our history, at least in my opinion. Uh, and I appreciate all of you who stuck it through the entire way. If you enjoyed the episode and would like me to try to produce another one with another one of our huge games from last year, maybe Notre Dame or the SEC title game, definitely let me know on Twitter. Uh, if you guys would be interested in another one, I would be happy to try 
to get one done. But uh, if not, I don't want to waste the time because doing this show, I'm going to be honest, I, I enjoy doing this, but it took, oh, about 12 or so hours of prep time. So just let me know. But I sincerely hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you for listening here uh, today on the show and hear me kind of just go through this entire game almost play by play. I know it was tedious there from some moments, but I, I, I live for the X's and O's and the, the nitty-gritty, the 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 core of what football is. I love this kind of stuff, the nuts and bolts of it all. So I appreciate all of you who stuck it out with me here today. Kurt will be back on our next show. I'll have our listener mail back up for you guys. But thanks for listening. I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.